thank you for sending your books. I've been slow to get back to you because I get part of a pile of stuff I'm reading. I'm working on reading. So far, I'm about halfway through Words of Power. It's been very good. It's helped me to recognize unwise vows that I made in reaction to my father, namely, not to get angry and to not neglect my family. I'm just beginning to recognize the consequences of those vows, including a guilt-motivated drivenness to be there for my children, to be there for my children and kid and wife, which has left me depleted and with a numbness that reaches to the very core of my being. And this is it's a good example of what happens when we make vows. We had one lady, she made a vow before God that uh, before anything else, the first thing in the, in, the, in the day, when she first got up, she would end up, I think it was three chapters, she would be three chapters of the Bible and, and pray uh, every day. It's just a, a, a blanket vow. Every day, very first thing in the morning, I'm going to get up, I'm going to read three chapters of the Bible and pray to God. Sounds like a wonderful vow. Only what happens if you have the flu? What happens if you're traveling? What happens if you left your Bible? Yeah, what happened if you left your Bible somewhere, you dropped your glasses, or, you know, would you be surprised at the tremendous uh, burden this was on her? And this may sound like, a, you know, what a wonderful, righteous thing you make, but it was a very unwise vow because it put a boundary on her behavior, took away her freedom, and it also basically made reading the Word of God and praying to God a task, an obligation to do, rather than a pleasure or a blessing. So uh, we guide her in a prayer release, and to ask forgiveness for making an unwise vow. And sometimes unwise vows are godly vows. They're just not God-driven vows or God-directed vows. And you just need to recognize the difference. So there is a, such an important issue that, again, I end up writing a, a book, and I'm going to write even more, because I won't just touch the surface of what words of power are. We're just starting to recognize that. Uh, but I'm going to somewhat go for the book here, read it, but on the other hand, we'll also discuss it. But in Numbers chapter 30, uh, if you wonder if, if, you know, vows are important in scripture, well, there's a, or the Bible wasn't, it wasn't made in chapter. The point is, there's a very large section that just deals with vows. And, uh, what we have to ask ourselves is, are the standards of the Old Testament when it came to, comes to vows, are they the same today or not? So here's some of them. This gives the standards for making and breaking vows. And a vow, by the way, can be, uh, I swear before God, or um, I'm just playing, never going to do that again. Things like this. Strong statements of intention is a good way to define what a vow is, except that we're using God as as our witness. So he's the one, in a sense, that, that stamps it. But another vow is like, I'll, I'll swear in my mother's grave. You know, we have these kind of things. So it's, uh, Numbers 30 gives the standards for making and breaking vows. And like I say, there's nothing in Scripture that would indicate that in the New Testament that somehow or other this section in the Old Testament is somehow null and void now. That in this age of grace, it doesn't matter. And in our culture, well, not just our culture, in many cultures, uh, words of power are used in very light ways. Um, I can think of them once, again, the Spanish language, the Arabic language, um, that, again, it's sort of a normal pattern of speech, but as far as God's concerned, uh, we're not supposed to use our words in light manner. We're accountable for every word that was says in Scripture, and especially for every word that has power behind it. 
So, it's from Deuteronomy 23, 22. It's in your book. It is neither godly nor ungodly to make vows. But if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. And Jesus says, his point is, just don't make vows. <laughs> better not to make vows. Not that vows aren't a bad thing, but the trouble is we so misuse it. The better to keep your mouth shut, you get into trouble saying something you shouldn't say. The focus on revealing a vow, though, once made, and on who takes responsibility for making a vow, that's the part that the Old Testament is focusing on. So we have, when you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Notice how he, the designation uses for people who make some wise vows. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. So God is, this is one of these things where God doesn't give a whole lot of, of roots to, you know, maneuver here. Just don't make a vow. If you do make a vow, you keep it. On the other hand, and as we see later on, if we make an unwise vow, we do not necessarily have to put our life under the burden of that vow. But we're talking about sin, back to sin. We keep coming back to sin and we need to confess and receive forgiveness and all for making unwise vows or for sinning or whatever. Uh, we have a case in point. I still, I think I mentioned yesterday in another setting, but in uh, Samuel, um, where uh, Samuel's mother, Hannah, she, she desperately wants a child. And she prays to God and she says, if you will just give me a child, if you just give me a son, surely, but, uh, I will give him into, I'll give him to you for service. And she, she's praying this in the temple. And an interesting thing here, she's praying in the temple and she's praying in such a way that a priest comes up and he says, uh, basically, what are you doing, you know, behaving this way, drunk like this? And she says, well, I'm not drunk. I was just really earnestly praying to God. And she explains. And he basically says, uh, okay, bless your child. And so with his authority as priest, whether he intended it or not, he endorsed her prayer. And so she gives his prayer to God, finds out, time goes on, she suddenly becomes pregnant. It's a gift from God. When she weans Samuel, what does she do with the child? Takes him to the temple and hands him over into the care of the people of the temple. She's given that child up to God. She's fulfilled her vow. And we say, man, you know, what a dumb thing to do. But she maintained, she made a vow. She made it with full knowledge of what she was doing. And in this case, God, in fact, did honor it. And Samuel was one of the great prophets. But uh, if you're talking about heartache for a mother, I'm sure there was heartache. She wasn't, she was just so gleeful to give her this kid. You know, she wanted to keep him. But she made a promise to God, she kept it. 